0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today we have the privilege of hearing Todd Marshall from Worship is Life Ministries speak. Worship is all about relationship and we need to be in constant relationship with God so we can love people well. This message is for everyone and I know Todd is going to bless you today with a vivid picture of what worship should look like. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, Todd and Brenda are just so great. Um, we, we love hanging out with them. Um, Becky and I got dinner with them last night, and they're just so easy to talk to. They're, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. And so um, we are so excited to, to introduce you, Todd and Brenda Marshall, with Worship Is Life. Can you give it up for them? Come on. Good morning, church. Welcome to the best time of the week. When the children of God, that's us, Gather together to be reminded of who God is, to be reminded of who we are in God, and to be reminded of what God has called us to do for him. And my sincerest desire for you is that you would be strengthened by God's grace and that you would rest in his peace It was uh, Mother's Day, 2013, and I was in this room right here. This is the sanctuary of Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle on Long Island, Smithtown, New York. And this is the last place that my wife and I served as worship arts pastors So uh, this is myself and her leading uh, one of our Friday nights of praise and worship. And I was in this room all alone on Mother's Day, Sunday morning, 2013, getting ready for our three services that morning. And I was walking up the inside stairs. You can't see them. They'd be over on that side going up to the balcony. I was walking up to the balcony to turn on all the tech stuff as our tech team was going to be showing up in a few minutes. I was walking up those stairs, and I was stopped dead in my tracks by the voice of God, and it might as well have been audible. It was so clear, and I heard these words, you've done what you can do here. 24 hours later, I was kneeling in my place of morning set-apart time with God just begging for him to say something else. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Nothing. I went upstairs into the bathroom to get ready to go to the office, and I heard God say these words so clearly it may as well have been audible. Everything I've poured into you you have poured out here, and it's become part of their DNA, and now I need you to give it somewhere else. 48 hours later, I was back in my place of listening, waiting, set-apart time with God alone, and I heard these words so clearly, it may as well have been audible. I've given you a message from my church About worship. And I'm positioning you so that message will have a greater influence. And for the last six years, we've been on this journey of God positioning us in Him and then God positioning us for Him. And this is the journey that brings us today to Adventure Church in Siren, Wisconsin. And we're so delighted. To be here. I attended North Central University the same time. Pastor CJ attended North Central University and we played lots of pickup basketball games together. Um, he played on the real team, you know, because he was good. Um, I didn't, because I wasn't as good. But I would but when I got to play pickup basketball with him, I loved to be able to guard him. Because he he was he was like known for his shot. Maybe you know that. He may have told that one or two times. But he was known for his pure, sweet shot. And so I took it upon myself to never let him score when we ever played a pickup basketball game together. And he was so gracious to me, you know, he'd say, Oh man, he's like, I never get, I never score." He's like, you're such a great guard. Of course he would, you know, he would never talk about the fact that I would foul him 25 times during (laughs) a game to 10 points, you know, because that's the only way you can stop him. You know, but, uh, so we love pastor CJ and Cheryl and, um, got to see him at the airport as we were both coming back from general council. Um, um, and connect with him uh, there, uh, and this was already set up, so it was awesome, um, and so we're so thrilled that God has brought you guys together, and uh, the work they're doing as your pastors, and for this congregation, and this community, um, and we just, and we love Pastor Andrew, and Becky, oh my goodness, and your whole team, we just had such a great, I don't think it was even 24 hours, it was less than 24 hours, but I mean, it was so good, and might as well have felt like a week because it was it was just so so good. Um and um and yeah we had just an awesome dinner just the four of us last night and just connecting and um yeah it was great. They're great. We love them. We actually served we actually served in Wisconsin for three and a half years uh in uh the suburb of the massive tr- Metropolis of Stevens Point. We are in the suburb of Plover, Wisconsin. So we were there for three and a half years. As a matter of fact, our son was born in Wisconsin, in Stevens Point. He's now 21 and a pastor himself, serving as music and youth uh, in Lakeville, Minnesota. And um, yeah, so matter of fact, I we moved to Wisconsin one month before the Packers won the Super Bowl in 1997. So, yeah, so it bodes well that we're on Wisconsin ground today. It bodes well for anyone who supports the Packers. However, let me say, you know what, I'll just use that as a segue. I said this in the first service. Um, I didn't want to say it, Um, but uh, I had to practice what I'm going to preach this morning because I felt God say something to me that someone needed to hear. And I don't know who it is, but someone here needs to hear this. You are not a Packer fan. You are not a Vikings fan. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. Someone needs to hear that. You are a child of God. That is who you are. Don't look for your identity anywhere else. You know how many places there are that we can find identity? So many places. You are a child Of God. So whoever that's for, take that from the Lord. Let's start by saying this verse together. This is a very familiar verse, so it's such a familiar statement that people all over the world say it. So let's say it together, ready? There is nothing new under the sun. As I look at the whole book of Ecclesiastes, this is what I believe the author is saying. The purpose of life has been the same since the beginning of humanity and will always be the same. And the struggle to fulfill the purpose of life has always been the same and will always be the same. And so I am here to encourage you in your relationship with God And to challenge you in your role in growing God's kingdom. And to do that, I'm going to use the language of worship. There's two questions that I ask people to help them start to track. So I'm going to ask you these two questions to help you begin to track where I'm going with this phrase, worship is life. And the questions are this. What is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship? What is the connection and why does it matter? What is the connection between a worship service and a life of worship and why does it matter? So our mission statement is this. Growing God's kingdom through connecting worship to life. Can we all say that together? Growing God's kingdom through connecting worship to life. I spent most of my ministry years fashioning individual worship experiences largely unaware. Of this connection. And as God has mercifully shown me this connection and drawn me into the reality of this connection, He has called me to not only live this out, but to Walk through as many open doors as he opens to bring this message to his church, to his body, to his bride, to his children, to strengthen you and to help you in growing his kingdom. And the doors that have opened, I mean, we've been all over Minnesota, we've been all over the country. Uh, in the last few years, I've been to Africa three times. I've been to countries in Europe. Uh, I was to Asia for the first time in the Philippines just a few months ago. Uh, in two months, I'll be going to Spain, uh, teaching in the only Pentecostal theological seminary in all of Spain, hosted by two of our Assemblies of God missionaries that have been there for over 40 years. Um, our book, you'll see out there, has been translated into Spanish. Um, and missionaries, Mike and Mona Shields, who teach all over, multiple, multiple, multiple countries in Latin America have just bought the rights of our Spanish version so they can distribute it to all their students. So it's just just mind-boggling. Like when I'm walking through it day by day, I'm like, God, what are you doing here? But then when I I just step back and and look at what's happened in just a few short years, it's just God is fulfilling what he said to me. I'm positioning you so that this message will have a greater influence. And he started... I wasn't prepared for this. He started by drilling down in me. And then as he drills down in me, he just shows me how to articulate more and more and more to help the body of Christ of what this means. Worship is life. So I'm going to start to unpack this in a few different ways here. Um, One of the ways I would articulate this is with these words. The relational dynamic that happens between us and God when we gather to worship together is the same relational dynamic in which God invites us to live our lives. And when we engage in the relational dynamic with God in our lives, this is when we position ourselves so that he can work through us to touch his world and grow his kingdom. Here's another way I articulate this. I'm gonna read a few verses from scripture that I include in chapter four of my book. Sorry, chapter five. And the first one is this it's from the prophet Isaiah. So, this is Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. And through Isaiah, God says this I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, they have become a burden to me. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. And then through the prophet Amos, he says this. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Away with the noise of your songs. Aren't you glad you came today? (laughs) But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-ending stream. And then Jesus, quoting Isaiah, says these words, Matthew chapter 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules." So to summarize, I have a little poem for you. And it says this, unless what happens when we gather translates into what happens when we scatter, then what happens when we gather doesn't matter. Let's say it together. Unless what happens when we gather translates into what happens when we scatter, then what happens when we gather doesn't matter. When we hear a leader say, let's stand and worship, what activity do we assume we are going to be partaking in? one or two or three or four people said singing. And maybe more even thought that. Maybe almost everybody thought that. And that is no surprise because you will find this all around the world. In the last 50 years, somehow something happened. Not necessarily a bad thing. There's some good things, but then some unintended consequences. But our language and our actions have formed us and shaped us all around the world that when we hear the word worship, we begin to have the idea of singing songs. And there's a beautiful secret about that that I'm going to share later on. But right now, I want to share this little bit with you. This is so prevalent that our idea of worship largely has come to the place where it equals music and singing. Here is a fascinating piece of information. In our scriptures, we find the word worship nearly 200 times. But guess how many times the word worship in the scriptures is found in the context of music and singing? How many times out of 200? Maybe 50 times? Maybe 25 times? You can count on one hand the number of times that the word worship in the scriptures is found in the context of music and singing. So what is that telling us? That is telling us that God's description of worship is much deeper and much broader than our idea of worship. So as I have studied These passages and read these passages, there's one word that has risen to the top to describe what is happening in all these passages. The one word that articulates the context of all these passages where we find the word worship, and that would be worship does not equal music and singing, rather worship Equals relationship. Everyone say that with me. Worship equals relationship. Say it again. Worship equals relationship. Everything God does is in the context of relationship. God always looks through the lens of relationship. Let's start by looking at the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are how we do relationship with God. The last six commandments are how we do relationship with others. Because relationship with God always translates into relationship with others. And God calls this worship. Worship is always in the context of relationship. Now, when God came to us in the flesh, in the person of Yeshua Messiah, who we call Jesus the Christ, the Jewish leaders had added hundreds of commands to the commands that came from God. Hundreds, because this is what we do. We try to figure out what God wants us to do, and then we add things to it. That's what we do. So that's what had been done. So it was very common to have all these arguments about what is the greatest commandment, because there were so many of them. What is the greatest commandment? And so when someone approached Jesus and asked this question, Jesus answered, and in that answer, he made two absolutely stunning statements. They asked the question, and he said, the greatest commandment is love God with your entire being. And then the first stunning statement he made was this, and the second is the same as the first. First. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second is the same as the first. They're not separate because relationship with God always translates into relationship with others. Relationship is the purpose of life. And then he made another stunning statement. He said, all the law and the prophets, all, how many? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. He's telling us, you don't need to know any of the other commands. All you need to know is love God with your whole being, and that will translate into Loving others. I'm like, really, God? To love you, I have to love people. I mean, if it weren't for others, I'd get along with everybody. (laughs) Be no issue. Loving God translates into loving others. And God Calls this worship. Matter of fact, I'm going to make what could be a potentially stunning statement of my own. We worship God best when we love others. Let's all say that together. We worship God best when we love others. Now, I'm going to create another point here that we're going to, another dot, I should say, that we're going to connect here as we continue to unpack this reality, I want to, before we get there, I want to talk about an aspect of God, a truth about God, a reality about God that we don't talk about that often, and that is this truth right here. God works in patterns. He always works in patterns. We see it in creation all around us, and we see it in the guidelines that he's given us for living, and then we confirm the truth Because we, who are made in His image, what do we do? We work in patterns. That's what we do. Why? Because that's what God does. We see it in creation. First you have day, then you have night. The ocean tide comes in, the ocean tide goes out. What goes up must come down. Every action has an equal what? Reaction. Reaction. Okay, patterns, patterns, patterns. All We have the seasons. We're ready to end summer, and now fall is beginning, and unfortunately, winter is on the way, but it's a pattern, the pattern, the pattern, patterns, patterns, patterns. And then we see it in his guidelines that he's given us for living, the, the patterns that are, you might as well call them laws. They are established patterns that God has put into place. One, you could apply to both creation and a guideline for living. You reap what you sow. We see that in creation. We see it in living like this. If you forgive, you'll be what? If you are merciful, you'll be showing what? If you judge, you're going to be what? So all these guidelines for living are patterns, 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 patterns. So it should come as no surprise to us that God does relationship in a pattern. And we're going to call this pattern revelation and response. Everyone say that. Revelation and response. So God reveals himself to us, invites us to respond to him, and then God responds to us. And this is his pattern for doing relationship. He shows us who he is in such a vast variety of ways. He shows us what he's done by telling us the story and how he's relating with us. He shows us what we are to do by the words in his scripture and the words that he speaks by his spirit to your spirit. So he's revealing always, always, always revealing himself to us, inviting us to respond. And then when we respond, then he Responds, And this is the relational pattern in which God invites us to live. Now, this is the relational pattern that happens when we gather here in this place. We Everything we are doing in this service is happening in this pattern of revelation response. And I want to show you one of the things that leads to us calling our singing time the worship time. This is the secret. It's a beautiful secret. Beautiful secret. We find the word worship in the scriptures almost 200 times, five times in the context of music and singing. But in the scriptures, we are exhorted, told, encouraged, commanded over 120 times to sing to God, sing praises. Sing to God. Sing praises. Sing to your king over and over and over and over and again. Why? Because God knows that one of the most effective, beautiful ways to engage in the relational pattern with Him is to sing about Him and to sing to Him, to sing for Him, and to sing our response to him. And all of the lyrics of all of the songs that we sing in services, every lyric is either a lyric of revelation, who God is, what he's done, what he's calling us to do, or a lyric of response. I praise you. I thank you. I love you. I worship you. I bow before you. So all the words of the songs that we are singing are getting us into this pattern in which he does relationship. And then you add to that the mysterious, beautiful gift of how music impacts our being like nothing else can. You bring those two together, and there's this, there, there, there's this beautiful engagement entering into this relational pattern. And so if you've been outside of the relational pattern... With him, and then you start singing, you engage by the singing of the pattern of revelation and response, that brings you back into the place that God invites you. The power of the truth is that this is the place where God invites us to always live in this relational pattern, looking for him listening for him, responding to him. And our singing time has become labeled as worship because we just got tired of calling it the song service because we knew it was just so so much more meaningful than just singing songs. So what do we call it? Well, let's call it worship because we're engaging with God. We're, we're, that's what we're doing. We're worshiping him. And that is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reality and truth. But if there's an unintended consequence, it's this. And then that's when we put worship in a box. And when we put worship in a box, we put relationship with God in a box. Okay, I've done my God thing. Let's go live life. But God says, I invite you to live in relationship with me. Why? So you can live in loving, healthy relationship with others. And God calls this worship. Let's, uh, I want to ask you to help me to point out how obvious this is in scripture. When I began to see this reality, this truth, and God began to give me language to articulate it, I started to see it every time I opened the Bible, and now I can barely find, barely find a page in scriptures where you don't see this relational pattern of revelation and response going from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22, and almost every page in between Now one of the easiest ways we can, because I can sit here and give you hundreds of scriptures, but let's do this. this will be uh, more fun and more time efficient. The easiest way to recognize it, this relational pattern, is when we think about the stories of the people in the scriptures. And so what I want you to do is just real quick as you think about, okay, God showed himself to this person and then this person responded, and then God responded. So just just real quick, just shout out the names of the people where you're recognizing that relational pattern. Go. Paul, Paul. Jonah. Abraham. Jonah. Joseph. Joseph. Who's that? David. David. Daniel. Daniel. Samuel. Samuel. Ezekiel. What? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Esther. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on because guess what? It's every person in there) <laughs> Now, their response may have been favorable. Their response may have been unfavorable. Their response may have gone from unfavorable to favorable to unfavorable, like Jonah, like us, like the Israelites. But that is the relational pattern. Everywhere, 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 God reveals himself to us, invites us to respond to him, and then he responds to us. And God calls this relational pattern pattern worship. And why does that matter? Because when we engage in this relational pattern, this is when we put ourselves in a place where God can work through us to touch his world and grow his kingdom. Now, I want to give you my favorite earthly analogy of revelation and response. So, two days a week, I teach teenagers how to drive. You guys been there yet? Yeah? It's true. I've had 30 or 40 near-death experiences. But let me say, on your defense that most of my near-death experiences are because of other drivers and not my students. I love this job. It's, my, it, it's the way I minister in my own community because I'm with these students one-on-one for two hours at a time in the car. And oh, wish I had time to tell you the stories of the conversations I've had with these students. Just so, so powerful. But it was a couple years ago I was giving the third and final lesson, so they take three lessons, and lesson number three is preparing for your road test. And I was reading the list of the things that they're gonna be evaluated on during the test. And I read these two statements, which are back to back on the list, and they were this. Watching and reacting appropriately to traffic and road conditions. Seeing and obeying traffic signs and signals. I read those two statements and I kept on reading because I couldn't let the student know where my mind was going. But I'm like, oh my goodness. Driving is revelation and response. And later on I realized that we are always living in revelation and response. Everything we're doing, every moment, we are always responding to what's being revealed to us. But here's the reasons that driving is my favorite earthly analogy of revelation response. First of all, when you're driving, assuming you're maximizing your potential to be a legal and safe driver, you are constantly responding to what's being revealed to you moment by moment. Every second that you're driving, You are responding to what's being revealed to you moment by moment. And when we are driving, we are focused on two dynamics, the authority, the guidelines for driving, and everybody else around us. And that is exactly who God invites us to focus on to focus on Him and everyone else around us. And the laws for driving are there to help us engage in a safe, and healthy manner with everybody else around us. And the guidelines of living that we sometimes diminish to just commands are there to help us interact in a loving and healthy way with everybody else around us. And whether you're driving or whether you're living, as you engage in that, without even thinking about it, you actually end up protecting yourself. Now... We fail to maximize our potential as a legal and safe driver when we become what? Ah, didn't take long for that word to come out. Distracted. Guess what the number cause of accidents is in our country? Yes, which are? Distractions. Distractions is the number one cause for the 10 million accidents that happen in our country every year. You ready for the kicker now? We become distracted when we're driving when the focus changes to who. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little, let's make a connection. You don't even want me to connect right now to that phone. The focus shifts to not a what to a who. Who's the who? Ha ah, self. That's why we call it an iPhone. <laughs> That's why our Worship is Life logo has every letter uppercase except for the I. Because the I must become less. The I Must become smaller. And when we're living life, when is it that we get out outside of the purpose of life? It's when we get distracted. And when we get distracted, it's because the focus has shifted to who? Us. There's nothing new under the sun. I'm just using the language of worship this morning to bring us back to where God always brings us back to. Relationship. With him, which translates into relationship with others. And this is what God calls worship. This is also, when we talk about the struggle, this is another, this is a huge piece of the struggle. By the way, we're wrapping up here in case you're wondering. Um, actually, Pastor Andrew, you can come and start to play. Thank you. This is a huge piece of the struggle connected to our humanity. And that is this. Relationship, which is good, the whole meaning of life, relationship requires engagement. Engagement implies doing. So if there's going to be a relationship with a person or with God, doing is involved. But here's what happens. In our humanity, our f- tendency is to focus on the doing because it's what we can control it's what we can see results from it's what we can make action points to and talk to the practical side of things we're drawn to that but when we get over focused on the doing the moment the moment we get over focused on the doing in that moment we hinder the intimacy of relationship with God so doing is not separate from being. Doing must flow out of being. Doing must be intimately connected to being. Faith and works or grace and action. Grace and faith talk, uh, imply the relational dynamic of trust 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 the relational dynamic between us and God and then what's connected to that is our actions but then when we overfocus on the actions we hinder the intimacy of relation listen it's it's mysterious relationship with God is mysterious i i grant you that that is a reality but the mysteriousness is a reality. Relationship with God is real, and that real relationship translates into relationship with others. And I got to tell you, when God began to drill this down into me, I was faced with the fresh reality that i am too selfish and too self-centered to love my wife unconditionally unless i stay engaged with god i am too selfish and too self-centered to love my kids unconditionally unless i stay Engage with God unless I live in the reality that as His Son, I am His dwelling place and He is there for me to connect to, and He strengthens me and helps me to be kind and patient and to persevere and to be loving. And I've got to love my kids because they're the ones that are going to choose my nursing home. (laughs) So I better be loving my kids. I am too selfish and too self-centered to love this world unless I am staying engaged with God. And so God has me on a journey to grow in staying engaged with Him. And I am here to encourage you in that same reality. Um, I'm going to give you Uh, A little Helper that God gave me He gave me a phrase The phrase is Living in awe of God Which is just another way Of saying pray without ceasing Walk in the spirit All those phrases They all are saying the same thing Stay in the vine Remain in the vine They're all saying the same thing Stay engaged with God Stay engaged in the relational dynamic Of God that he has established And so then I've taken the word awe and turned it into an acrostic that looks like this The A is acknowledge, the W is welcome, and the E is engage. So I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God. I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God into every conversation. I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God into every situation. I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God into every task. I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God into the workplace. I engage by acknowledging and welcoming God into the schoolhouse. It's simply the relational dynamic. It's our part in the relational dynamic of always looking for him. Always listening for him and then asking him to help us respond to him. Looking for him, listening for him, responding to him. So we've put this acrostic into um, a graphic and it looks like that. And we've put on a magnet, living in awe of God, acknowledge, welcome, engage. And these magnets are on our table for a dollar, but you can have one for free if you just simply give us your email so that we can keep you up to speed on on how God is using worship as life, where we are, how he's engaging us, um, so that we can just stay in your in, in, in your thoughts and, and as you just lift us up before God and just agree together before Him what He's called us to do. So that's there for you. Um, of course, you know our book is back there. I do want to show you this. This is our latest resource that we're so excited about. It's called My First Worship. It's a book written by a friend of ours, and we helped him to get it published. Um, It's just beautifully illustrated. This is for parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles to read to and over your children. I'm not kidding you. From right out of the womb till about their five years old. It's a great easy reader for first and second graders. And the language, the language of the whole book is shaping our children in how to engage with God in every moment of their day which translates into engaging with others. So beautiful, beautiful resource for you there. The last thing I will say is worship Equals relationship which equals growing God's kingdom. This is worship is life. Worship equals relationship. Relationship is the purpose of life. Worship is life. Pastor Andrew. Let's sing that in response to this. Who the son says it's free, always free. listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.